True Answers Bring Peace by Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. Some of our readers have asked, Why, when I am trying so hard to walk righteously, be pleasing to the Lord, do bad things happen to me? The answer is quite simple. God is not a Santa Claus that rewards good little boys and girls with presents and wonderful things and bad little boys and girls with bad things. I know this sounds silly and childish, but this so-called innocent lie and other wrong perspectives derived from the world's knowledge have ruined the lives of so many people. They, now as grown people, feel they should be rewarded for their good behavior by God as well as the people around them. When the world deals them trouble, sickness, poverty, whatever, or when people come against them and they have been on good behavior, maybe even have specifically blessed those coming against them, they think it unfair. Now they unfairly get angry at God, making themselves at fault. They arrived at this wrong conclusion because they have failed to see this world and its people do not belong to God. It is imperative we understand this fact. It is founded and owned by his archenemy, Satan, and run by a people that love the world and all it stands for. They are disobedient and rebellious ones that do not study scripture enough to know God's will but instead follow the thoughts fed into their minds by the world's devices and literature. The end result, they bear the fruit of Satan's mind and are conformed to the world. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 warns us, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So I ask you, who really is in the wrong? Who truly instigated your problems? Satan cleverly offered knowledge to man designed to fulfill his own personal aspirations, and man readily accepted it. Not God's fault. Unfortunately, God and his people are blamed for the world's problems when in reality they are caused by the lies that have been taught to the world's people from childhood. Bottom line, parents that have rewarded their children's good behavior with toys, candy, and the like did them no favors. They should have been taught to give their very best effort at all times simply because they love and respect their parents or those in authority over them. Our good works should never be for reward, thus preparing us for our walk with God. He bribes no one, and if we're truly in His image, we would not try to bribe Him either with our good behavior. We must see and understand the universal picture if we want to fully comprehend the crux of things. To begin with, there is a huge supernatural battle going on because Satan had the audacity to challenge God for his sovereignty. Isaiah chapter 14 verses 12 through 14 shows us this challenge. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, also known as Satan or the devil. Son of the morning, how you're cut down to the ground, 
you who weakened the nations, through his false doctrine and lies. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north to rule God's people or attempt to. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. How egotistical can you get? A timeline was established by Father in order for Satan to prove or disprove his ability to feed him and make good his decree. No one but the Father knows how long that timeline is. Matthew chapter 24 verse 36 tells us, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Meanwhile, the world belongs to Satan, along with the race of people he has confiscated from the Lord and altered to his taste and specifications. Eve chose this lower realm with its perverted knowledge and the wisdom of Satan over God's will, wisdom, and law. We were created with a free will. It was our right to choose, but we so dumbly abused this privilege. Unfortunately, humanity sold themselves to God's enemy and lost ownership of everything lovingly given to them by Father God at creation. So today, almost everything belongs to the enemy that inhabits this earth, that is, with the exception of those that have been born again, baptized by the Holy Spirit, and fed truth as they attended Father's feasts. Even those who fit this category, however, if not avid lovers of truth, are in danger of stunting their spiritual growth and being repossessed by the enemy, creating a new race of Esau's. Esau, Isaac's firstborn, gave up his birthright to his brother Jacob to satisfy carnal pleasure. He loved food more than his godly inheritance. Thankfully, the faithful new species are no longer related to Adam and Eve or the Esau's, who are now tightly held captive by Babylon. They have been set free, or jubilee, along with all their possessions. This new species must be girded in truth and strong in faith, however, to stand the onslaught of Satan as the enemy especially targets them. He hates he has lost control, so they are more likely to experience the ills of this world than anyone. Do you now understand why bad things happen to good people? For those that have perhaps wondered why it seems the good die young and even innocent little children are victims, ones that have done nothing wrong. Unfortunately, Adam and Eve introduced sin to the planet, resulting in corruption and death, which has overtaken all creation, even the youth. Not God's will or fault. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 explains how this happened. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Again, decay, sickness, poverty, and death 
were all birthed through Adam and Eve's rebellion against God's law and the choice of wisdom Eve disobediently selected. Genesis chapter 3, verses 3 and verse 6 speaks of this grave mistake. But of the fruit of the enemy's lies, of the tree of good and evil, Satan, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. That is very plain instruction. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, food for thought, that it was pleasant to the eyes, looked good to her, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she was not satisfied with the wisdom Christ had, the tree of life. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her. She was the first human to feed Satan's lies to others. And he ate. They were both altered by these lies, and their natures and future forever changed. As Scripture says, an evil tree cannot bear good fruit. So the fruit of Satan's wisdom resulted in death. Now everyone is exposed to his wisdom, both the righteous and the wicked. During this time, delegated to Satan and his army of evil spirits, he makes very sure those that love God are exposed to his wisdom and knowledge and thoroughly taught the understanding of them through the world's educational systems. The day of the Lord is coming, and there will one day be an end to all the misery loosed on God's creation through man's intellect. God's wisdom will once more be found in the hearts of the new species. Understanding of God's wisdom will be made vivid through the anointing of the Holy Spirit within them. His knowledge will be established once again, and the earth and all on it will be restored. In other words, all that are not owned by the enemy and have set themselves aside to God and His kingdom will be clothed in robes of incorruption and immortality. Luke chapter 17 Verses 20 and 21 answers another question asked by our readers. Where is this kingdom? Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, not visible. Nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The king is there. His laws, his promises are all there inside the chambers or bodies of his people. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 reveals the king. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the king the hope of glory. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 reveals his laws. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. The seventh day church says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. 
Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 29, reveals the new species born through Jesus and their right to the promises of God. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. He is our armor. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, the father of Israel, and heirs according to the promise. This is how we become the Israel God's promises are made to. Not nationality, gender, color of skin, etc., but through being born again into God's household and family. Luke chapter 12 verse 32 reveals the kingdom. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Next question. When will the kingdom be restored physically to the earth? Answer. We by now know only the father knows the exact time, but we do know it won't happen until the vessels that harbor the kingdom within unite and form the body of Christ. Only then can life and power be appointed to the body. The works Yeshua or Jesus did while on earth as one body will be nothing compared to what he will do through the many members that will make up this end-time body. He will restore things through. Romans chapter 12 verses 4 and 5 For as we have many members, God's people, in one body, make Christ's body, but all the members do not have the same function. He can perform miraculous things through the many faceted members that make his body. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. When will all this begin to happen? Daniel chapter 12 verses 6 and 7 gives us the answer to that one as he speculates on the end times. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Only when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered. You see, mankind is in this time frame for the very same reason Satan is. To prove to himself that he cannot exist without God, and mankind too cannot be as God. Remember, that is what Satan promised Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God knowing good and evil. There is one God. There must be a reckoning between God and man, a complete understanding that we are nothing without him. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man 
and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. We are cursed when we trust in ourselves. John chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Do we see this? We are helpless without him. We evidently must come to the end of ourselves before we will fully understand the world's knowledge is foolishness. We must also concede to the fact our intellect is also based on this foolishness. This is why we do not have the perfect solutions to the world's problems, but God does. So when we feel we are being treated unfairly, or that our prayers are not answered, or when scriptures do not seem to give us the desired results we expected, are we beginning to see why all this could be happening? God's people, at their lowest ebb, when they see their inability to live without Him, their egos, completely shattered, as the Word said, will still trust His promises, believe His Word, stand strong for Him, and in doing so, appear as a sign of the end to the world as well. The new species will not be hindered or stopped. They will follow in the footsteps of the Lord. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 explains what that means to follow his footsteps. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Matthew chapter 27 verse 46 shows us a very lonely aspect of following him. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As we can see, there was a time on the cross that Jesus, while in his body, felt rejected, forsaken by God, alone. With every infirmity, disease, and sin plaguing him at that moment, he felt Father had left him. This was a foreshadow of their end-time body of Christ. Between its many members, once again, his body bears all the ills of the world. Each of us has something to bring to the cross on behalf of all creation. As stated before, only the Father knew how long the body then and the body now would be helpless, alone. But the end is near and glorious. Christ, who has already overcome the world and defeated the works of the devil, is in us. He is the resurrected Word of God, and every word we have spoken, prayer we have prayed, and blessings spoken over His people and all creation will come alive through His victory when Father says, Time's up. Daniel chapter 7 verse 18 prophesied this promise. It will happen. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Is that not a glorious promise? 
Revelation chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 speaks of the saints. Then one of the elders answered and saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, overcame all the trials the enemy threw at them, and washed their robes, cleansed them in the living waters of truth, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb, repented where they failed, closed their ears to the accusations of the enemy, and stood strong for the Lord. In closing, I hope answering these questions will in some way enhance your walk with the Lord, ease your mind, and bring peace to your heart. James chapter 1 verse 12 is a wonderful scripture for us to close with. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Shalom.